This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. What's up, faithful? You're listening to another episode of the 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, a part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Brian. He's Al. The bye week is over. The 49ers have a game scheduled this Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The big news, obviously, coming into the bye and now coming out of the bye is still the addition of Chase Young, the defensive end from the Washington Commanders, Nick Bosa's former running mate at Ohio State. Uh, I guess when they played together, they called themselves the Buckeye Bookends, or at least that's what other people called them. I don't know if we can come up with a better nickname uh, for the 49ers, but as it stands now, uh, things are looking up. Things are ready to roll. We're going into the second half. Oh, I'm just ready to see the 49ers take the field again after three losses in a row and just see really at this point what this team is made of. What, uh, what are you looking forward to coming into uh, this Sunday? Well, after three losses in a row, the bye week seemed really long. I feel like this team hasn't played in about a month right now because you're waiting for them to get back on the field and see if they can be the team that went 16 and two to finish the last two seasons. They went seven and two to finish 2021 and nine and zero to finish 2022 in the regular season. Um, was it 10 and 0, but nine and 0 after the first eight games to finish, to finish yeah. last year. So that's what you're looking for again. Now the scheduler is harder. There's a lot of travel going on, but this team, as it stands at five and three, they're still in good shape. I still feel Seattle's got a tough schedule. They look awful. I mean, the Ravens are maybe just really, yeah. really good, but yeah, Seattle did not look good. Gino's not as good as he was last year. I'm not worried about the division. I'm not worried about them getting in the playoffs, but I am worried when they get to the playoffs, are they going to be a Super Bowl caliber team? And they have the next nine games to get it going. Yeah, the bye week was really good to the 49ers in terms of the standings. The Seattle Seahawks got absolutely walloped by the Ravens 37 to 3. And as somebody who started Lamar Jackson on my fantasy team, that wasn't even a good Lamar Jackson game. It was just a 
dominating performance by the Ravens and their defense. Uh, and then obviously everybody else in the NFC West lost as well, but we're not really concerned about the Rams who don't have Matthew Stafford anymore. And the Cardinals who are about to start the uh, miniature version of a NFL quarterback in Kyler Murray uh, starting this week as well. <laughs> what uh, but miniature version. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like a little mini version, right? He's just a little guy. He's, a little he's guy. just a little guy. He's, he's, he's a little, little guy. guy. He's a wee man. Yeah. But but yeah, so it was a good bye week in that regard. Also good news coming out of the bye. Uh, Debo Samuel says he is ready to go. No word on, on Trent Williams. Today is Wednesday. Uh, I didn't see any reports on whether Trent Williams practiced today or not. So he did that not. is something he did not. He so, did not. No. But he, but he, he also doesn't. A... Yeah. He doesn't normally day on Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, granted, he's had two weeks off before that, plus the bye week. So that you could view it as he still wasn't going to practice or not. I don't know. Uh, but we'll have to see. It's just at this point, I'm just ready for them to hit the field to answer a lot of the questions that we have. And I think that's kind of what we're going to focus on here as we move forward is the questions, right? Because mm -hmm. as we've said before, anytime you talk about this team, or at least anytime you and I talk about this team, we are talking about it through the lens of, is this team a Super Bowl contender? Is this team a, a possible Super Bowl winner? And through the first five weeks of the season, that answer was a resounding yes. Through the next three weeks, that question was a resounding, I, oh, I don't know. So mm. uh, I'm just excited to see kind of how things change, um, if there's more urgency, what this team does. They are a second-half team. Are they going to put another second-half run together? Uh, there's no reason to think that they can't, uh, but there are some changes that are need to be made and, and, and possibly are going to be made, uh, and that includes both on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and let's look at some of these questions. So I think the first question is, will the defense become the 49ers' defense that we know and Steve Wilkes is going to go to the sideline and we'll discuss that but when you look at what the Niners did yeah. through the first five games they gave up 13.6 points points per game which was the best in the NFL now if you look at the schedule so you always say who, who did you play right and you can only play who's on your schedule but sure. they played Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh in week one week one is always fluky but Pittsburgh has a horrible horrible offense yeah, The Rams put up 23 on them in week two, and, and the Rams did not have Cooper Cup at the time. They were a little bit better than we had anticipated. And then you have 12 against the Giants team that is just absolutely atrocious offensively. Even with, without Daniel Jones, without, with, without Tyrod Taylor or Tommy DeVito, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Awful on offense. And then you, you play the Cardinals, who are terrible, at 16 points. So I don't know they got tested in the first four games. Now, game five, the Cowboys are a good football team. I don't think yeah. the Cowboys are an upper echelon football team like what we thought the Niners were. Maybe they still are. The Eagles, the Chiefs, mm -hmm. the Ravens, I don't think they're that kind of team, but they are a good football team. The Niners absolutely have their number, and they trounced them, and they only gave up 10 points. But the past three games are where these issues have creeped in, um, and I saw mm -hmm. some stats today. They're up to 24 points per game over the last three, and that's 24th in the NFL. They're allowing 395 yards a game. That's 30th. For a team with with those stars, that's insane. Uh, the defensive EPA is negative 5.5, which is 31st, and they only have four takeaways, which is 13th. And they've 
turn the ball over seven times. So, so that's, that's the big difference too. They'd only turned the ball over twice over the first five games or whatever it was, two, three times. So now what they're trying to do to jumpstart this defense, I, 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 I guess is moving Steve Wilkes to the <laughs> sideline. So you have Kyle Shanahan who kind of called him out after the Vikings yeah. game about the coverage at the end of the half. You don't normally see head coaches kind of do that, but, he did. So there's definitely some, it just feels like he's just in trouble, Steve Wilkes. That's the vibe that I get. Like he's yeah. in trouble with Kyle Shanahan. And now the next thing, because he's in trouble is you got to come from the down from the booth onto the field so he can talk to the players and communicate with the linebackers. And, and, and Shanahan said, I wanted him to be down and near our players. That's the way we've had it with the linebacker communication in the past. Okay. Why didn't you, if, if yeah. this was needed or what, why are we doing it now? Was it a thing where you're just like, ah, I don't like that you're in the booth, but if we perform, we'll deal with it. Yeah. Is this just a reactionary thing? Has this been talked about? I don't know. I don't think it matters where he is. I think what matters is that these they either adjust the scheme to the player's strengths. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you have to do. I don't think the players are going to miraculously be like, oh, yeah, this, this works for us. And hope that some of the, you know, Chase Young can provide a spark. But more than anything, Brian, they have to tackle. 30 yeah. missed tackles or 30 plus whatever it's been in the in the past three weeks for a team that has Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, and Hufunga and some of these guys on the back end to be missing that many tackles is insane. So that's the first thing that has to happen is fundamentals. They have the fundamentals. Yeah. Hopefully the scheme balances in with the players and you could start to get a resemblance of the 49ers defense that we expect to see. Yeah, it you know, the the whole sideline thing is weird to me. Um... I've, I've heard other people, again, smarter people than me when it comes to football analysis, specifically schematic analysis, talking about the, the biggest issue for this 49ers defense is uh, a lot of miscommunication on the back end and a lack of uh, marriage between the coverage and the pass rush. I don't know what Steve Wilkes going down to the sidelines is going to do to fix those things. And not only that, but if you didn't like the way that he was calling games from the booth, which is where he preferred to be, which we can say because that's where he was, right? If he preferred to be on the sideline, he would have been there already. Mm -hmm. And now you're moving him down to the sideline where he's less comfortable. And if it's a communication, well, when you, when you coach the defense from the sidelines, you're still relying on somebody up in the booth to communicate with you what the, you know, what the offense, what, you know, what package they're, they're, they're bringing out to the field, like all of that stuff. Right. And I think that's probably why Wilkes liked to be up there was that it gave him a bird's eye view for him to be able to call his plays. And just because that's how you've had it in the past, doesn't mean that that's going to work with Steve Wilkes. And, and it certainly seems like to a certain extent, a last ditch effort in terms of trying to make this hire work. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. But, you know, I think more than Steve Wilkes coming to the sideline, and you kind of said it, you know, it gets back to fundamentals, all of that, and I agree. But mm -hmm. more than that, it, it, it comes down to the players, and it comes down to the, the players on defense are going to be the ones that lead this team back to the performance that we are used to seeing. Uh, it's the leadership from guys like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, and Dre Greenlaw, and Eric Armstead, and, uh, you know, Talanoho Funga, and Tayshawn Gibson, and and all of that. It's it's going to be 
it, it's going to come down to the players. And, and I think that this team, uh, especially on that side of the ball, is too talented and too experienced to continue to play at the level that we saw the last three weeks. And so I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that we are going to see uh, an uptick in that defensive performance. And, and again, maybe just getting chase young uh, is, is the, you know, kind of the, the jump start that they need. One, one other thing that I thought was interesting, I saw somebody post and again, whether or not this is true, this wasn't a, a you know, this wasn't somebody that, you know, a, a, a a beat writer or anything like that. But, but I had noticed uh, a couple people had pointed out that one of the things that's been different for the 49ers in, on the back end this season uh, than last season is that it seems like Wilkes has flipped Hufunga and Gibson where Hufunga is playing more of the free safety role and Gibson's playing more of the strong safety role where Gibson has been more at the, you know, in the box and mm-hmm. Hufunga's kind of been, uh, kind of manning that that single high area, which is different than than what D'Amico Ryans had last year. Last year, Hufunga, when he had an all-pro season, played in the box more. And I think maybe that's another change that you might see is seeing Hufunga in the box more and Gibson going back to that free safety role. Why would you um, change I, that? Why would you I don't know. an all-pro player? And it's just... Yeah. And again, I uh, I, I say that, with a grain of salt, because again, I haven't seen any definitive proof that that actually is happening, but I, I did either. see that discussion. I did see that discussion today. So I would, I would be interested to see if I could find more information on that and, and, and see if that is indeed something that's happening. But um, the other thing, oh, and that's what, that's also another person who said it. That's what it is. Dante Whitner said it. Dante Whitner said that on uh, one of the Bay area radio shows that, that he has noticed that that Hufunga has been playing wow, a I didn't know that. essentially a different yeah a different position than than last season. So again, I think it's I think it's a little bit of Wilkes trying to come in and and kind of put his own stamp on on this defense and and this defense saying, wait a second, like you don't need to do that. Like we we do what we do and we do it really well. Let's just kind of get back to that. And I would imagine that that's part of the conversation, Shanahan probably had with him over the bye week as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what this defense looks like uh, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. against this Jaguars team. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. I was looking him up a little bit over the weekend, Wilkes, and... I must have known this because I know I talked about it when they hired him, but I think when they hired him, and I do feel this way about Kyle Shanahan, he, his track record is so good with coaches. I was kind of like, yeah, he'll be fine because the other people he put in were fine. Now, mm-hmm. the previous two defensive coordinators had no experience as a defensive coordinator. Robert right. Sala was in his late 30s when he got the job. He was an mm-hmm. upstart coach. Mm-hmm. Same with D'Amico Ryans. He had played in the league for a long time, but but he's he's a young guy, and this was his, his first time as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's yeah. he's a, he's a superstar, obviously. Ryans, he got a head coaching job within two two years, mm-hmm. but these are young upstart guys. Killing it in Texas right now. I love. Oh, they're it. doing great. I love watching that team. So Steve Wilkes, I don't know. I just assumed he had more experience than he does in terms of defensive coordinator. Again, even though I had looked this up and apparently put it out of my head, I went yeah. and looked at his his coaching record, Brian, in, in the NFL, he started in 2005 with the Redskins secondary mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. Then he's the defensive backs coach for the bears from 2006 to 2008. Same position with the chargers from 2009 to 2011. Mm-hmm. Then he's the defensive backs coach for the Panthers for, from 2012 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Now, then he moves to assistant head coach and defensive back coach for 2015 and 2016. So you're all the way and still no, no defensive coordinator. Yeah. He gets a defensive coordinator position and he's still the assistant head coach in 2017. And then he gets the head job in Arizona. Yep. Now he yep. goes to a team with Josh Rosen and they go three and 13 and he's one and done. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Cardinals. Or I'm sorry, the Browns in 2019 to be defensive coordinator. That only is goes for a year. Then mm-hmm. he's out of the NFL completely. Yeah, He coaches in Missouri in 2021 before he goes back to the Panthers to be the secondary coach again. And then he's the interim head coach when they got rid of Matt Rule. So that's really not. It's only two years of defensive coordinator experience. Well, he was the DC. He was the DC at Mizzou for that one year. He was right, but not in the NFL. But not in the NFL. So it's yeah. So it's it's basically two years of defensive coordinator experience in the NFL. I was like, holy shit! I just Mm -hmm. thought he had more, even though I knew he didn't have more. It was just weird. So now he comes in with this job, and he's not super experienced defensive coordinator. He's not a Vic Fangio who's been doing this for for years and years and years. It is a guy who despite having a lot of experience in the league in this particular position, he doesn't have a lot of experience, which kind of blows my mind even more that if he is coming in and making changes, it's kind of like, how dare you? <laughs> like, yeah. How dare you right. do that? How yeah. dare you take this team that has been terrific doing what it's doing and, and make those kind of wholesale changes. So I hope Kyle gave it to him over the break. And I hope that you see the old 49ers defense and them doing things that, that they're used to doing. And again, getting those fundamentals back. Cause like I said, last show, the past few games, they've stepped on the field like like a squad that knows they're already in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't working, and they're kind of playing mm-hmm. like that. I want to see them come out in this game, and I want to see Drake Greenlaw just body slam somebody. And Fred Warner look like he shot out of a cannon and play with some intensity and in the defensive line get pressure on Lawrence. That's that's what I want to see in this game. If it doesn't happen, yeah, it could be another long day. Well, and and I think I think what's interesting is I, I agree with you. That's what I want to see. And then I started looking at some of the you know some of the underlying statistics for this Jaguars offense, and I started looking at 
Trevor Lawrence and his time to throw. And it's one of the quickest in the NFL. And I was like, yeah. son of a bitch. You get like, the ball. Yeah. And that's exact. Like, I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do to, you know, to combat a, a an impressive pass rush. So it's going to be a test right out of the gate, not only because this is a six and two Jaguars team, but because this Jaguars offense is going to want to do things that this defense has struggled with so far this season and at times in the past. And again, that mm-hmm. is a bunch of uh, quick passing concepts that negate pass rush, you know, and, and when, when, if you're an offensive coach like Doug Peterson and you're like, wait a second, I've got a defensive line with Nick Bosa, Javon, Javon Hargrave, uh, Eric Armstead and Chase Young, like there's, I'm not, everything is going to be quick because that is disgusting. And so mm-hmm. what we want to see, I'm I'm not sure what we'll see on Sunday. It'll be interesting, but you know, it, and that was the other thing that, and we've said it before, the weird thing to me is I thought that with all of that experience that Wilkes had when it comes to being a DB's coach, and you even saw, you know, he was spending one-on-one time with Diamador Lenore at camp when I was there with Charvarius Ward. Like he spent a lot of time with those DBs in that DB room. You would think that coverage is not the thing that they'd be struggling with. And yet here we are mm-hmm. and they've got the players to do it well. I just think he still hasn't figured out like, hey, this team and and these players are, are are here because they are really, really adept at running a very tight and uh, sound zone coverage. And you're starting to mix in too many things that are affecting their communication. And so my hope is that things get simplified on that end that you know you you go back to putting players in in the best positions that they you know that that fit them specifically with Hufunga and then see if they can't you know smother this Jaguars offense another question is is Brock Purdy are we going to yeah. get the Brock Purdy that we saw over the first five games still some you know mistake prone throws but not the turnovers that we've seen in the last three games where he's had trouble sort of, I guess he's had trouble playing a complete game. I I guess that's what Mm -hmm. you can say. So when I try to go to school on stuff, I'm not the type of guy who could turn on the tape and be like, Oh, this is a dig route and the defense is doing this and this is this coverage. And I have no idea. I have to listen to people who are telling me what's going on. So I'll watch, I've been watching uh, JT O'Sullivan at the QB school. Kurt Warner does some great stuff. Uh, Chase Daniel, the old mm-hmm. the guy was a backup quarterback forever in the league had a video on Purdy and I, <laughs> yo yeah he made so much money just yeah. holding clipboard yep. yep I'm just trying to figure out what's what's going on here this is what I sort of came away with and what I've seen and what they said or whatever so Purdy on one end is making a lot of high level throws especially for mm-hmm. a guy who doesn't have a rocket arm examples of those the the two throws that he made to George Kittle against Cincinnati, the one from the yeah. end zone, and then another one that was also over the middle. Just, I mean, phenomenal, high-level, ripping it in a small window downfield. Mm-hmm. He's making a lot of good downfield throws lately, especially recently, and that was what he was struggling with early on. He wasn't hitting those long throws. Now he's, he's been really good at that. What I'm also seeing is a lot of poor decisions where it seems like he's forcing the ball, trying to do too much. Maybe he's not quite seeing it. For example, Cincinnati was dropping eight on him. 
and that seemed to throw him off at sometimes. Here's the thing, Brian, that is typical of a young quarterback. Typical. Yeah. This is not anything. If he was Zach Wilson out there and he was holding the ball and air mailing passes and completely non-functional, you're like, oh shit, you have a problem. He's not doing that. He's just going through growing pains as teams get tape on him and teams are adjusting. Now, what Purdy has to do is make his own adjustments. He has to start work on mitigating risk. Tom Brady was on a podcast with Josh Allen, and I think he was kind of breaking his balls a little bit, talking about like, you know, sometimes you just got to take the check down. Sometimes mm-hmm. the four-yard completion is fine. So he has to work on mitigating risk and, and just throwing the ball away to, to play another down. The first interception against Cincinnati, where it was the RPO or whatever it was, or he's going to yeah. flip to Kittle and they're already lining him downfield and he tries to run to the right and make a play, even though it was a penalty anyway, because they were lining him downfield. The Cincinnati defender makes a phenomenal play and it's an interception. Stuff like that, just throw the ball away. Like it's it's over. Right. The play's over. Mitigate risk. And also he has to work on playing complete games. He's looked really good parts of the last two games. The first three quarters plus against Minnesota and for most of the game against Cincinnati, he played really, really, really well. And then the wheels come off. So mm-hmm. he has to work on that. Now, if he's still making these mistakes down the road, and down the road, I don't mean four or five weeks because he's a young quarterback. I mean, like, in the next year or so. Yeah, then it's an issue. But for right now, I feel like it's part of the growing pains. And if if those growing pains cost the 49ers a trip to the Super Bowl, that's, that's the bet that they made. They're going with this young yeah. kid. So unless you have the Avengers around him and you can completely just let him play point guard, Right now, they don't have that because they don't have Trent Williams and they haven't had Debo Samuel. And Purdy's had to do a little bit more and, and he's been forcing it. So unless that's around him, if, if you are asking him to come from behind, if you are asking him to get in a shootout, that remains to be seen if he can do it. And, and there aren't a lot of first, second, third year quarterbacks who can do that consistently. The Patrick Mahomes don't grow on trees. Even the stuff you're seeing with Stroud, Stroud was phenomenal this past week. Man, Best rookie game ever, maybe. He shit the bed two weeks earlier against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the ups and downs. Even with Stroud for the rest of the year, he's going to have more great games and he's going to have game where he struggles. He struggles more yeah. on the road, just the way that it is. So that's where you are with the 49ers. You cannot look at Brock Purdy as like they signed Kirk Cousins five years ago. And Kirk Cousins is this vet who needs to play like he's been in the league 10 years yeah. or whoever you want to be. That's what Garoppolo had been in the league for a while. And like he, he kept making the same mistakes. That was the issue with them and getting hurt. But Purdy hasn't yeah. done that yet, and it could be, could be another year before he settles in, or maybe he doesn't. But but we're not going to know. We have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and and I think some of the some some of the problems that we've seen, you know, relate to the question that a lot of people have about Brock Purdy, and is, you know, can is he a quarterback that you can win with, or is he a, a quarterback that? can win you a game. And and right now he's a quarterback that you can win with, and that's fine. He's a rookie. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's still a rookie quarterback. He's in year two, but he hasn't even started a full 17-game schedule yet. He's close, but he hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. And so three weeks in a row, Brock Purdy has been put in a position where the game is on the line and on his shoulders for the 49ers to come back and either take a lead or, or or win the game. And he's one for three so far. He brought the team in position to win in Cleveland, and Jake Moody missed the kick. And then in Minnesota, he throws an interception, and against Cincinnati, he throws another interception. 
and 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 ostensibly the game you know the game is over now mm-hmm. in that in that Cincinnati game it, it looks a lot worse than it was but regardless they were still in the game at the end and and it was the the decision that he made or the interception that he threw that that really ended the game for the 49ers but the other thing we have to look at is the offense as a whole without Trent Williams and and without Debo Samuel and they were with Trent Williams in in Cleveland granted you know that that ankle injury happened early uh, but he came back out and played the rest of the game but with Williams out against Minnesota and against Cincinnati this offense looked like a shell of itself mm-hmm. especially the run game and that's i think the thing that that we really gloss over a little bit in terms of analyzing this offense and and analyzing Brock Purdy is th- this offense is predicated upon a successful run game this offense was never meant to be piloted by Brock Purdy throwing 30 to 35 times a game right it's not it's not designed to do that if you have to do that every once in a while you hope that he can but if you're consistently having to throw it that much that means that things are going wrong that you didn't anticipate. And largely that is, again, a lack of a run game, which has been evident against Minnesota and against Cincinnati. Two teams going in that weren't good against the run. That's the other thing. Neither one of those teams are good against the run, and the 49ers couldn't run the ball on them. And this again, this Kyle Shanahan offense is is predicated on on that running game and and if it's not going the offense isn't going and i think kyle shanahan misses debo samuel as a play caller because i think debo samuel like christian mccaffrey but maybe even more so is an easy button for him in terms of getting the offense kind of back into a rhythm or just picking up chunk yardage on a on a, on a simple you know wide receiver screen or you know end around or whatever and I'll be interested to see, you know, if things look different with Debo on the field on Sunday, even if Trent isn't out there. And and again, we don't know if he will be or not. But Brock needs to play better. Obviously, he needs to make better decisions. He needs to cut down on the on the turnovers. But more than that, this run game needs to get back on track. And I think that begins with Christian McCaffrey. But I think that also begins with Kyle Shanahan letting go of the ghost of Elijah Mitchell and getting mm-hmm. the ball in the hands of Jordan Mason more because we as we said it the previous episode it, it's not working with Elijah Mitchell anymore give Jordan Mason the opportunity he's earned it he's more than earned it or at the very least Elijah Mitchell hasn't earned the trust that that Kyle Shanahan currently has in him so i would like to see some of those changes be made as well but but again, you know, it it's the quarterback position and people have a difficult time analyzing past did they win the game, did they not win the game? Well, if they lost the game, it's the quarterback's fault. If they won the game, it's the the quarterback's doing, right? And there's so much more nuance to it, especially in a team sport like football. Uh, and you know, I think perfect evidence is what you've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play like in in Las Vegas. Um, without, you know, an elite play caller like Kyle Shanahan, without elite playmakers outside of Devontae Adams, who is arguably the best. Uh, but it's 
and and I said it after the game, you know, he's playing like a 23 year old quarterback. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he is still a young quarterback. He is going to make mistakes. If you didn't think that he was going to make mistakes, that's on you. That is your own naivete, but he's going to make mistakes. The question is, are they going to be backbreaking or are they going to be mistakes that, that he then overcomes and, and against Cleveland, he overcame them against Minnesota. Again, we chalk that up to a concussion. I feel like that's a draw. Cincinnati, no excuses there. That was that was on Brock Purdy. Now, coming out of the bye, what does it look like? You know, does he come out with renewed confidence? Does he come out gun shy? Does Kyle Shanahan come out gun shy? Do we see a conservative game plan from Kyle because he's worried about his quarterback? All of these mm-hmm. questions are again questions that won't we won't get answered until they take the field on Sunday, but I I don't think, I don't think it's the end of the world. The 49ers are five and three. It's their second best record under Kyle Shanahan through eight games in this regime. The Seahawks lost on Sunday. So we're back in first place in the NFC West. It's, it's time to take a breath and, and, and then start to look at, all right, how does this team perform coming out of the bye? And like I said, I have a lot of faith in that locker room that they're going to come out and look to make a statement against the Jaguars and say, look, that that those three weeks, that wasn't us. This this is where this is where we start our march. And and I think they will. Yeah, and, and Kyle Shanahan mentioned the team looks slow and tired and they needed this break. So maybe that's part of it. I guess the last question I would have is is it's all kind of tied together, the offensive line, because you've yeah. seen what it looks like without Trent Williams and it's not. It's not pretty, especially running the ball, which, like again, like you said, is what the offense is based around. And you just look at what Christian McCaffrey did at the beginning of the season, his first four games rushing, a buck 52, a buck 16, 85, 106, and his lowest yards per carry in those four games was 4.7. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's had 19 for 51, 2.7 yards per carry, 11 for 43, 3.91 yards, 15 for 45, 3 yards. And then he had 12 for 54 with four and a half yards against the Bengals. But two of those, one was the opening run where I think he gained like eight or nine yards, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And then he just had a a run at the end of the game that was like kind of meaningless. Other than that, he didn't do much in between those two. So it wasn't running there. And like you mentioned, Eliza Mitchell, he's just been terrible. It's Kevin Barlow, a a yard and fall down at this point. They have to get Jordan Mason in there. They have to give him a shot. Mason, it looks like he shot out of a cannon every time he gets the ball. So, you know, if, if if you're not blocking well and you need to get yards after contact, I'd rather see Mason in there with the ball than Mitchell. And also, McCaffrey's been banged up. Maybe he'll feel better now after the bye, but you do have to keep him yeah. healthy. You do have to get him off the field here and there a little bit. I know when you're behind, you don't want to take your best weapon off. I, I get that. But if you want to keep him there the whole time, you got to keep you ha- you have to give him some kind of rest. Well, and uh, there's only two running backs in the league who have logged more carries than Christian McCaffrey so far this season. And again, that's not some that's not ideal for a player that is already banged up a little bit, has a, a some history of of being banged up, but also the player that you kind of have designed this offense around. You need him in the playoffs, and if you run him into the ground, you're not going to have him. You you got to find you got to find some respite for him, and 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 you got to give you got to give Jordan Mason the opportunity because, like I said, you know Elijah Mitchell just isn't it anymore. 
before we get out of here, Brian, I, I cannot, I love watching football. I will watch every football game. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Some of the games this weekend were Oof. really, really tough to get through. I, I, the, the state of the quarterback position in the NFL, there's some great ones, you know, there are a handful of great ones, but some of the guys that are getting tried out there right now, and a lot of it's because of injury, but dude, it's bad. I mean, trying to watching Zach Wilson play football, the poor Jets. Robert Sala just had a blank look on his face. He was just like staring into the abyss all night on Monday night every time they showed him. Um, you with the Giants who are down to Tommy DeVito. Tyson Badgett, who I guess is doing the best that he can for the Bears, but we don't want to tune in and see, you know, see him on Sundays. Clayton Toon, what did he have? Negative three yards passing, he was playing for the Cardinals. Did I say Tommy DeVito? I think I did. Um, yeah, Jaron, Jaron Hall. We didn't really get a chance to see what he can do because mm -hmm. he's hurt, but he's he got hurt, but he's like a fifth yeah. round rookie. Dorian Thompson Robinson is taking snaps. Brett Rippon, atrocious, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even guys that you were hoping would hey. like next step. Carson Jordan Wentz Love. is back, maybe. Carson Wentz is back, and I think Carson <laughs> Wentz is at first. I'm like, is he back because Stafford's going to be out a while, which is possible. That's but what it I also thought, may yeah. be that. Ripping sucks so much that maybe they're just like, dude, also, we got to get somebody functional in, in there. Um, Jordan Love, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to take a step forward. He sucks. Not not mm -hmm. a good quarterback. So mm -hmm. there's just so many bad guys out there. It seems like Geno Smith, maybe he's going to be a starter for a while. He's taking a step back. There mm -hmm. are some rookies. I'm, I'm at, Will Levis, I think the dude can play. I like watching him play. I think he's, he's going to be a decent one. Aiden O'Connell looks like he's going to be serviceable. The Raiders should just run with him the rest of the year. Richardson, we are. don't know. What was that? I think I believe they are. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Anthony Richardson got hurt. We don't know. Bryce Young, it's hard to judge him behind that offensive line. He doesn't really have any time. And lack but he certainly has not looked great. Yeah, I mean, you're throwing to kind of an old Adam Thielen right now, and there isn't really anybody else around it. Stroud obviously looks phenomenal. Um, I'm sure there's other quarterbacks I'm missing that suck because there, there's there's a lot of them out there right now. But man, Derek Carr kind of sucks. Even the yeah. guys who are like around, like he kind of sucks. Desmond Ritter. Like, Desmond Ritter sucks. Taylor Heineke struggles. Um, Baker Mayfield. Can he, can he pick it? Can he pick it? Dude, <laughs> I think CJ Stroud has more touchdowns this year than Kenny Pickett has in a year and a half already or whatever Pickett's been playing for. Mm -hmm. Just like he's awful for three and a half quarters. And then like the last couple drives, he just plays well. And Pittsburgh pulls out games. I don't know how they're doing it, but the state yeah. of the quarterbacks in this league right now, just really bad. And offense is, is struggling. Point scoring is down. So hopefully, I mean, we've said it before with the 2021 class that looks like it's, it's, it's not going to be anywhere near what we thought it was going to be, but hopefully this year coming in with guys like, like, excuse me, Caleb Williams, <clears throat> um, may uh, a bunch of people on Penix. I'm sure. Michael Penix. Names. Hope, yeah. Hopefully these guys Bo put a little life into it. Bo Nix. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know like what, what can you attribute this to? But I think what's interesting is, and, and I don't, I, I don't want to say that this is the Brock Purdy phenomenon because that's, I mean, Brock Purdy was a rookie last year, but the bears went with Badgent, who was an undrafted free agent. The Vikings went with Jaron Hall, who was a, a, a I, I don't even, I don't know if they drafted him or if he was an undrafted, right? I think um, he was a fifth rounder, I think. Yeah. Clayton Toon was a, was a late rounder. Like you look at this and you think, 
teams are teams are trying to toe this line between paying a a serviceable backup ten million dollars a year or paying a late round rookie you know a million dollars a year and and it, it's like they're it's it's to me it, it's maybe a little bit of money ball where again they're trying to they're trying to skirt around the the margins uh, in different areas to try and upgrade other areas uh but the problem is is that too many quarterbacks are getting injured and now all of a sudden you've got all these guys who probably never would have seen the field even 5 years ago are now seeing the field because of that philosophy and and like i said i don't want to call it the Brock Purdy philosophy but it, it i don't I don't remember having this issue last year or even the year before. Uh, in fact, you know, last year the 49ers planned on paying uh, what's his face. Um, I don't remember who who did Brock Purdy beat out. I don't remember now. What's his name? For oh, um, I can't think of his name. Oh, Sudfeld was it Sudfeld? Sudfeld, yeah, yeah. Sudfeld. yeah they were going to pay Sudfeld. I what was it like two and a half, three million dollars? Yeah, I blanked um, on him too. Yeah. So, you know, it, it feels like it, it feels like uh, almost like a, a, an overreaction to the success of Brock Purdy. And every team was like, hey, instead of paying Colt McCoy, instead of paying, you know, Carson Wentz, instead of paying some of these guys that you would normally have paid, let's just draft a late round rookie and, and, and let him be QB2 and, and just hope mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to see the field. And now the problem is that they are. <laughs> so it just looks like dog shit out there. But. Um, it's, you brought up Robert Sala and, and I have like, you look at what Josh Jobs did in that Vikings game to lead them to a victory over the Falcons, who again are just frauds. I don't, I, I, I don't know what Arthur Smith is doing over there. You drafted B. John Robinson with a top five pick and you just refused to Not give him the ball him. over Tyler Algier. Like what, like, what are we doing? What are we actually doing? Along with having Kyle Pitts there and Drake London. And you could have had Lamar Jackson in the offseason and you chose not to. Like, there's just certain things you're like, man, you are reaping what you sowed for sure. Mm -hmm. But I just don't, I don't understand why the Jets didn't go after like a Josh Dobbs or didn't go after. Damn, go after Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was available. All you had to do was sign yeah. him. Like, I just don't, like, I don't know why. It, it, it's like they, it, it's like they, they thought, hey, we'll bring Aaron Rodgers in. He's old. He'll only play a few seasons. And then Zach will learn under him. And then we can turn it over to Zach. We won't have to pay him a lot because, you know, he, he hasn't started. So, you know, we'll be able to give him a, a, a multi-year contract for very little and then see what we have after he learned under Aaron Rodgers. And then Rodgers tears his Achilles and like, well, shit, now we have to play him. Yeah. And then it's like, he's not playing well, but also we still have maybe these hopes that he that he could. And so we don't want to bring anyone else in in order to, you know, essentially end this relationship with Zach Wilson. Mm. But also you're just ruining this tremendous defense and this opportunity to still maybe make the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers is talking about coming back in like six weeks, which is again, just insanity to me, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not great right now with all these quarterback injuries and and hopefully these guys come back and, and we get a stretch run of, of 
better football to end the season and, and, and head into the playoffs. And that's where I give the 49ers credit. And again, regardless of whatever you, the listener, whoever's listening to the show thinks of Trey Lance, the 49ers said, we're moving on. And when they yeah. decided they were moving on, they moved on. They yep. didn't say, oh, well, we're going to keep them around. And, and like the Jets did for, for hopes, mm-hmm. they said, you know what? We're going to bring in a vet. We like Brock Purdy. We feel better with Darnold. We're, we're, we gave up a ton to get him, but we're going to move on. Now, I yeah. guess they have more. I guess capital capital in the bank Cache. and maybe yeah. Yeah, Joe Douglas and, and Robert Salah do in New York where they can say, like, yeah, okay, this didn't Security. work out. We a lot. Yeah. Security, all that stuff. So yeah. like we're gonna move on. We still have a loaded roster. Look at what Brock Purdy did. Maybe the Jets felt if like if they did that, if it could have backfired on them. I, I don't know. But yeah, there, if you get a guy like Jacoby Brissett in there, right, you're gonna win some games. You're probably gonna make the playoffs. Yeah. And you get guys. So, so what you say, so what they're going to, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Well, maybe next year they have a chance to win the Super Bowl if Rodgers right. is back in Rodgers. And you get guys like Quinnen Williams and Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They have a playoff experience well, now playoff because experience. they got in yeah, and played exactly. a wild card game, you know, exactly. and that's just not the case. So give the Niners credit for that. So, yep. all right, Brian, tomorrow, which is Thursday, yes. we're back. We're going to do our preview show and we got Baldy, Brian Baldinger. Yeah with us and talk some Niners. So we are excited about that. The and finger. next week, next week, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network is back as well. Um, Very so we're excited. Pumped. We're, pu- we're pumped to have these guests coming up. So, all right, everybody. For Brian, I'm Al. Later. Niners on three. One, two, three. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.